Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin. All right, guys, on this week's episode, from copy editor to and journalist to women's wordsmithing coach, we have with us Beth Crosby. She coaches women to convey their qualifications and experiences through the art of storytelling. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Appreciate it. Awesome. So, Beth, tell me how one goes from copy editor and journalist to helping women craft their story. Yeah, it's a longest circuitous route that I will make short for you. <laughs> I, um, I knew as a grammar school student that I really wanted to be in journalism, specifically radio. But my dad said, honey, radio is never going to pay the bills. You have to get a real degree. So I got a journalism degree and specialized in copy editing. And after I left copy editing, because it was generally when you work with newspapers, you change jobs, which means you change cities every two to three years. And that's just not me. That's not what I wanted to do. So I went into PR and then I went into administration. I had a lot of different jobs to try to find what I needed to do. And because I was good with English, I was pigeonholed into administrative roles, administrative assistant. And I didn't feel like I was meeting my potential. And I didn't feel like I was being appreciated for the skills that I had. So I started my own business a couple of times, and the last business I started before this one was professional pet sitting. I did everything I was supposed to do. I was licensed. I was bonded. I was insured. I taught pet first aid. I did all the things I was supposed to do correctly, except uh, kidney disease did not figure into my plan. So I developed kidney disease and was no longer able to do the physical work. And because I am the person I am, I couldn't relinquish my business to people who did the work. I had to manage it myself. So I closed that business because in good conscience, I couldn't just turn my clients over to someone else. So I did that. I had kidney failure. And while I was in dialysis, one of my former pet clients called me and said, I have started a publishing company. And that's not out of the ordinary because she Her parents had had a physical publishing company back in the day where they printed books, and she was an author and ghostwriter. So she asked me to come on board as a copy editor, and I was thrilled, and I went back to what I loved. And the reason I had gotten out of it initially uh, for a lot of reasons, but one was I worked five at night until two in the morning. (laughs) Never a good plan, especially when you're 24. So I went back to copy editing manuscripts, which I could do on my own time, regardless of dialysis, getting in the way and things like that. And I loved it. So I went into it as my own business. I mean, I was a freelancer for her. So I went into it as my own business and realized after three or four years, there's a lot of critical feedback. No matter how nice you try to make it, no matter how much you try to say, that's a great word, great use of this phrase, it's still critical. And my spirit didn't feel happy being critical. I wanted to be supportive. So fast forward to coming to trying to be a supportive member of the English family, grammar family, um, instead of a critical one. And I find that many women, especially during this time, um, need, need to be emboldened. They need to be appreciated. They need to understand their unique skills and talents. I felt like odd man out because I was a smart woman and I had ideas that 
one manager in particular felt threatened by. And it was so bad that literally he gave me sales flyers to type. And when I would make grammar corrections, he would tell me to change it back to his wording and he had a GED. So I knew then 25 years ago, I was not being appreciated. I want women now to be 25 or 35 or 55 and know that it's not too late to show their unique skills and why they are capable and in fact best at what they do for their unique audience. I love that. I love that. So talk about talk about that. I think that's really important because you talk about their, you know, unique set of skills and I don't think people right. realize that they actually have that right because we're always trying to fit into the box of who's looking for what what do we have that fits that so talk to me a little about you know how do you extract the information how do you formulate it and then talk about the storytelling aspect of that absolutely thank you for me and I can only talk about me when you're asking me I came from a broken home so I came from a a family with less wealth than other people I, I mean I'll say it that way but I felt like because I didn't get to go to vacation in Chicago or up to Niagara Falls or overseas that I was somehow less than. I learned after reading a lot of Southern fiction and talking to people who say, you know, Southern people are so nice that I was blessed, indeed blessed to live in this area because it taught me some of the things that make me special as a human and that make me special as a woman, and that probably make me empathetic and supportive in a way that I wouldn't have been if I'd stayed in journalism and moved to the bigger cities, which is where you have to go to make more money. So instead of being ashamed or embarrassed that I came from a family, I did, I, I mean, I, we all come from families, so we're proud of that. <laughs> we, instead of being ashamed that I came from a single parent family, that they weren't well to do, um, I look at it now as my mother was a nurse. My father was an officer. They both worked in social situations to make lives better. I went to college. I was able to earn a degree. My my life did not work out the way I planned. I have taken so many opportunities through secretarial jobs, working at a beverage company, working for a plumber, working for a newspaper. Uh, this come right to mind. But meeting pet sitting clients takes the whole spectrum. I've met so many people in that business that I'm so in touch with. And every day I literally can sit down and I have a Word document called My Story. And when things come to me, I realize how fortunate I was to have that experience. One experience that you might not consider a good experience, but it has helped me in my life. I was walking one of my favorite dogs. She's an English golden retriever, so she's a little white dog like you see on the Cottonelle commercials. I was walking her through a paved, a concrete paved, wooden path that we walked every day. And we came upon a copperhead. And in South Carolina and in North Carolina, they are deadly and they are rampant. So I, I will admit I had a gun because... I just felt safer walking by myself with the dog. And I, I knew I couldn't shoot it. The dog would be scared. So we, we negotiated with Copperhead for about 20 minutes. And I actually took an hour and a half walk around that neighborhood to get back to the house where she lived. I have a huge respect for snakes, but I'm not afraid of them anymore. Okay. So 
it's a story that I wouldn't norm, ordinarily tell. It's certainly not something I would share over cocktails, but it is a story of co- overcoming fear. I didn't, I didn't have a conflict with that snake. I figured out a way to get around it. Now, don't think I didn't try to make him move. I, I, you know, I threw a branch at him. I threw a rock at him. Nothing worked. I just, instead of taking the conflict, I worked around it. And that's a huge lesson. Awesome. So tell me why, if women are listening to this and, um, you know, hearing what you're saying, why is it even important for them to be able to tell their story? What's, what's the point? Oh my gosh, because if we, nobody puts baby in a corner. I saw that again this weekend. It's old and there's a certain age of women who are listening to this, you know, you know exactly what that means. But in the movie Dirty Dancing that came out in 86 or 88, um, Frances was called Baby, and she was always the little girl that Daddy told her what she could do, and Mommy told her what she should do, and Daddy put her in a corner and told her that she was going to be what he wanted her to be, and the bad boy she dated said, nobody puts Baby in a corner, and I think even at this time, whether, again, you're 20, 30, 40, 50, we often are put in a corner. If we're not put in a corner, we're put in a box, and you mentioned that box a few minutes ago. Just because you know, we, aren't, we don't grow up to be teachers and nurses any longer. We have a lot of experience. And the, the younger the generation, the more experience they have in a male-female relationship. I was, a nur- I was in newspapers. That's a lot of men and women working together. I was in um, beverages. I had 65 salesmen I worked with every day, and they were all men. So working with the generation, with the um, Genders is important, but we take a back seat sometimes, and sometimes we sit our own selves down in that seat. Women today need to understand that things that we have been taught to be ashamed of, and we are taught in one way or another to be ashamed, are things that make us powerful. There's a, a, a woman I know who wrote a book about being gang raped when she was 14. Now, she's in her 50s. It took her until her 40s to be able to discuss it. Now she's on international platforms to discuss it, but she carried shame for 30 years to be able to do that. What we're subjected to, and even poor choices that we make, don't limit us, they empower us. I'll say that again. Experiences that we've had don't limit us, they empower us. And that's the most important takeaway I can share with you. Think about how what's happened in your life and the decisions that you've made make you uniquely perfect for your ideal client. I like to tell a story about a financial planner. She was very smart. She could have gone to college and said she married her high school sweetheart. And after a year, they had a baby because that's what you do. And after three years, he decided that being a dad really was a drag. So he left and he left her with the bills and he left her with the bed that she slept in and a baby. So she went to work making the highest job, the highest paid job she could, which was customer service. And then she realized one day that she's really good at numbers. So she talked to somebody about how to get into finances. And somebody told her that she could go and become a financial advisor without having a college degree. She only had to master the classes and pass the tests. And she studied a lot. And her little girl sat down beside her and studied doing homework. And mom stayed up a whole lot later and passed the test. Mom makes seven figures now. 
So mom could really sit on her laurels and only talk to people or talk only to people at a certain income level. Instead, mom comes clean. Mom tells women every day she can remember eating macaroni for dinner and giving her child meat from a can. What aspiration would you have if you were a poor woman and you met a woman like that who is that authentic? Right. How empowered would you feel if she said she would come alongside you and mentor you? That's what I encourage women to do. Right. I love that. I love that. So talk to me about how, you know, obviously you were telling me a little bit about your journey, obviously with the, the, the kidney failure and this sort of pivot and transition. How have you actually used your skills for yourself? I journaled a lot. I have, I'm a fan of the journal books. So and my mind is very structured. So I have different notebooks for different things. So when I was going through dialysis, I wrote a blog about it because thankfully, I think, if you're not on dialysis or you don't love someone who is, you don't know about it. So I wanted to let people know a third of the people in the United States are on dialysis. And it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. Only about, again, a third of the people on dialysis have diabetes. Most people in the United States think, oh, you have diabetes. That's why you have kidney failure. That's not true. Not always true. Mine was congenital. So kidney disease runs in my family. We haven't had an instance of it since my aunt's children. So I guess a generation back. But I needed to let people know that you can go out and eat in public. You can spend time with your friends. You can monitor the, in, the liquid intake and let you know that liquid intake includes spaghetti sauce, soup, coffee, gravy, anything that's liquid. But you can survive it and you make the best of it. Then when I had my transplant, I started a new journal and a new blog about how things changed. You don't realize until you go around the corner how much better your life is. So I can use that opportunity to talk about kidney transplants to encourage people, A, to be tested. Because generally, by the time your symptoms show up, you're on your way a year or so from dialysis. B, yeah, inquire to see if you're eligible to be a donor. Put it on your driver's license. You can designate who you want to get your kidney. For instance, my aunt donated for me. But there are also programs where, say, I wanted to donate to you. But you and I have different blood types, which is the first marker, generally. I could give my, you know, technically give my kidney to you, but my kidney goes to a person with my blood type, and they have a person who gives to you who has your blood type. Johns Hopkins did that with eight, eight uh, donors. Wow. Okay. Eight. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. So tell me a little bit about your experience, though, from going from you know, the profession of copy editing to really becoming a coach, right? Because that's a whole different sort of ball game there. Talk to me about your experience at, in that transition um, from, you know, obviously employee to actually, you know, self-employed and being a coach. Um, tell me how that was for you. It was great. It was the best feeling I'd ever had because in copy editing, I had started to make that turn to... First of all, people think copy editors are grammar police and uh, 
two sentences, two spaces after the period chasers. We do far more than that. There are a lot of different kinds of editors, but I made sure that my manuscripts that I edited were clear, concise, correct, and consistent. Clear, concise, correct, and consistent. Everything we write should be that way. So often I would say, move this paragraph here, or let's tighten up these sentences here, or do you really mean that here? And it empowered my writers instead of making them feel bad because they had someone showing them instead of showing them how they can improve instead of telling them what they did wrong. And people on LinkedIn, I have to really give a shout out to LinkedIn because they've done a lot for me. Um, Women would would contact me and say, how do I do that? How do I, can you just read this page for me? Can you just look at this article? And often I did and they ran off. They did their own thing. They made it better just from a conversation. I interviewed a lady for my Facebook group and she said, gosh, after talking to you, I have six months of information. And I thought, well, that really stinks for me, but go on. <laughs> so really, it was a process of my heart and my mind changing to become supportive instead of being critical. And going from short, going from long form to short form. So instead of helping people with long manuscripts, I can help them with articles. I can help them with essays. I can help them with posts to share what's special about them without them posting I, I, I. Let me tell you what I can do. Let me solicit you. Actually own up and say, I had difficulty with this. That's why I'm teaching you about help. If I can teach them, if I can share with them how to, sh- how to tell their ideal client why their ideal client needs them without them saying, hey, you need me. Come, come, come. Pay me some money. Come here. If they share their stories, people begin to know, like, and trust them. And that's how we make a difference. That's how we get clients. Awesome. So beyond being a woman, who is your ideal client? Generally, my experience is that my ideal client is in her 40s or 50s. She's probably had a career. She might have had a career and taken a break because of kids. Or, I hate to say this out loud, but it's true. Women who have never been supported as a person. They're somebody's wife. They're somebody's daughter. They're just a waitress. They're just, and I hate just. And I encourage all of my, I encourage everybody I can possibly talk to, to eliminate just from their vocabulary. Unless you say, I want just one teaspoon of sugar. There's no reason to say just. There's no reason for you to be just or only, unless you say, I work only with women. But when you're talking about yourself, you're never just. We're all so much more than one thing or two things. I just get so passionate. I don't even know what your question was. <laughs> My ideal client. That's what I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I answered that. There are people who yeah. really need that support. And what do you think that your skill set is used best for? So let's say I am a woman. I'm in my 40s. I'm looking to be supported. And why would I hire you? Like, Am I looking for a new job? Am I looking for copy, like to help copy for marketing? Tell me about, tell me about that. Sure, absolutely. When people don't feel like they're being recognized for their, they don't think they're being valued or understood for the skills that they have, or they're not being taken seriously, that's when they need to come to me because through my uh, proven program, really, I ask questions. I don't just ask, what did you do? Let me see your resume. I ask questions that 
makes them start to think. And I help them realize that it's not their career path. It's not how they went to college or if they went to college or if they dropped out of college that's important. It's who they are and who they became because. That's when we find our unique skills and talents. I help them to realize because when you start to have a conversation, when I start to have a conversation with people and I say, why did, well, how did that bee sting affect you? And they say, I decided to study entomology. Well, then that bee sting was really important. It wasn't a, oh yeah, by the way, um, better than an entomologist, a beekeeper. If a woman becomes, you know, got stung and became a beekeeper, she has so much good to add to the world. And people think of beekeepers as, as just, they're a beekeeper. Whereas if you know about bees and you know the good that bees do for this world and you know the good that honey can do for people, that's a huge job. I would love to work with a beekeeper and help her share her story and share why bees are important because indeed they are. So when they don't feel good about themselves and they need it pulled out of them, not even pulled out of them, it needs to be, um, when they need to, and they need to realize it and recognize it and have somebody underscore it for them and share with them why they're exceptional because we don't see that we're exceptional. We think, I just. Right, right, right. Because a lot of times when you do it yourself yep. and you've made it through, it doesn't seem as big, like from the outside looking in because you lived it, you had just had to do it, you had to survive, you had to get this thing, you, you know, that was a goal or whatever. You know uh, that story so well yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, let me ask you, what kind of uses like I'm hearing, like, uh, as you're speaking, I'm hearing so many different uses, right? Whether or not I'm trying to get a promotion, whether or not I'm trying to actually uh, write a good bio, right? Yeah. Uh, Tell me some other uses for having this amazing kind of, you know, uh, written identity, so to speak. um, people who use it smartly, <laughs> smartly is hard at this moment, but you can reuse that copy in so many places. You can use it in marketing. My specialty is not marketing, but when you write it down, then you can refer to it. So if someone calls you and says, can you talk about this? You always have to be ready to talk about it. And if you don't have a friend who can call and work through it, contact me. We can do a Zoom. I can help you work through it. But you use that and you pull paragraphs, you pull phrases, you pull those things. I encourage people to post on LinkedIn regularly. So you pull a phrase or you pull a sentence or a paragraph, you post it on LinkedIn with the link to your article. Articles stay on LinkedIn. They don't go away. And then you can feature them so people can see why you are who you are. Posts go away. So you can refer to that article again and again in your posts. Same thing with Medium. You can refer to that. You can put it on your blog. You might change the perspective instead of, you consider your audience. So on Medium, you probably wouldn't say that, you know, the mindset is, let me tell you my story. You probably on Medium want to say, let me tell you a story about so-and-so. But you, you just turn it a degree or so, and you tell the same story from a different perspective. So first of all, you're empowered when you do this. You're empowered. Secondly, you know your story. You start to realize and recognize your story. And then you start to realize where you can put that story. And it will open doors for you that you never imagined. Right. Right. Awareness is definitely the key, right? Absolutely. Realize it. So leaving our listeners with uh, any last 
statements, what would be the number one thing that you want them to take away from this conversation? They aren't just, they are more than just. And if they need somebody to tell them, um, if you got little kids, ask little kids, they'll say, mommy, you're pretty. <laughs> mommy, you're pretty doesn't work when you're trying to find clients who are your ideal clients. Tell them why, resonate with them. Let them know why you're uniquely qualified to be their ideal provider of the service that you need. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to speak with you. So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore Tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course, you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.